Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder here at Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hey, Greg. It's a beautiful but rainy day here in Jacksonville. How are you doing? Oh, good. Well, I'm glad we can hear you. Last week, we had a bit of encounter with uh, lightning and thunderstrikes. So for those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare exec and the president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and the Best Practices Review Panel for the Institute for Medicaid innovations. He is a past chair and former board member of the Population Health Alliance. Fred is known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, healthinnovationmedia.com, and precisionmedicine.center. And now for today's guest, Allison Hart. Allison Hart is a regularly published advocate for utilizing technology-enabled communications to engage and activate patients beyond the clinical setting, and her opinion pieces appear regularly in national healthcare publications. As West's chief healthcare market research and insight strategist, she leads study and thought leadership efforts for West Televox Solutions promoting the idea that engaging with patients between healthcare appointments is meaningful ways will in meaningful ways will encourage and inspire them to follow and embrace treatment plans and that activating these positive behaviors ultimately leads to better outcomes for both healthcare organizations and patients Hart also currently serves as vice president for marketing of Televox Solutions at West where the healthcare mission is to help organizations harness communications to expand the boundaries of where, when, and how healthcare is delivered. Her most recent publication is Prioritizing the Patient Experience. Consumerization of healthcare brings patient satisfaction to to forefront for providers, which is available on the program description here at Pop Health Week. So with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know Allison and more about her work at West and the recent insights on the patient experience. Thank you so much, Greg. And Allison, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, perhaps before we get into the survey, just give us a brief introduction to West and Televox. Sure. Well, as was mentioned very nicely, I might add, we do really advocate for this idea of ongoing patient engagement and activation and the opportunities 
that presents for organizations to improve patient experience, care quality, maximize revenue, and reduce costs. And one of our initiatives in this area is conducting research, like we're going to talk about today, around key opportunities for engagement along the care continuum. And we really seek with this research to learn both the patient and the provider perspectives as they relate to communication and engagement. And then we try to outline um, strategies for improvement along those lines. So the report that we're here to talk about today, prioritizing the patient experience, we conducted surveys um, for this report back in March of 2017, so just a few months ago. We based it on an online survey of 1,010 nationally representative American healthcare consumers over the age of 18. We conducted the survey with an external research firm, which we funded. And then in addition to surveying the consumers to get the provider point of view, we also conducted a survey of more than 236 providers representing a variety of specialties and disciplines. And the research was completed as well with an online survey. That's, that's a, a great introduction. And so when you, everyone's obviously talked about engagement. And what I found most interesting in this survey was sort of the disconnect in, in certain cases, but not all, between what the providers thought was important for patient satisfaction and what the patient themselves or the consumer thought in terms of satisfaction. Could you touch on some of the areas and findings you, you have in that? Sure. So if you want to talk, first of all, about what patients um, are looking for uh, from providers in terms of having what contributes to a positive um, patient experience. Patients are telling us 50% of them say um, shorter wait times would be something that would help them feel more satisfied with their healthcare experience. 49% of patients say that if they knew the cost of their healthcare treatment in advance of being seen by a doctor, that would improve their overall satisfaction. 47% um, of Americans are telling us they don't want to feel rushed during their appointments, and that's key to an overall health, positive health experience. And also, patients want to feel confident in the abilities of the practitioners that are caring for them. 44% say that if their provider demonstrates a high level of expertise in treating their illness, that would improve satisfaction. Something else that came up was improved patient-provider communication. Nearly 4 in 10 patients say better communication with their provider improves satisfaction. Specifically, 25% of them say that regular check-ins between their appointments would improve their overall healthcare experience. But there is a bit of a disconnect here because while some of these things are showing up um, in terms of where providers are prioritizing their efforts, some of them are not. Prior uh, providers are focusing things more on um, the interaction with the healthcare team, the modernization, uh, the, sorry, the modern um, facility for the healthcare um, visit, and things like that that necessarily aren't as important to patients. So. Um, let's dig into a little bit more because one of the issues obviously is these surveys and patient satisfaction has become a bit more critical obviously for providers as it factors into many of these value-based reimbursement models. So could you sort of discuss the various areas that satisfaction surveys are impacting the providers from that perspective? Sure. So as we know, uh, as you said, payment models are really affecting things here. So financially, it behooves a, a, a provider to really focus on the patient experience. So 
According to Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, $1.5 billion in value-based incentive payments were on the line for hospitals in 2016. And with Medicare payments at stake, hospitals are more motivated now than ever to really provide that positive patient experience and perform well on things like the HCAP survey, which we know is based on patient-reported experiences, and they, it's used to also assign the payment adjustments to hospitals. So failing to do well here really results in negative Medicare payment adjustments. And additionally, research is telling us there's a link between HCAP scores and a hospital's profitability. There was a study published that said hospitals with excellent HCAP scores um, between certain years had a net margin of 4.7% on average as compared to just 1.8% for hospitals with low ratings. The other factor that's really playing in here is this idea of consumerization. It's definitely made its way to healthcare. There's increased consumer choice now when it comes to healthcare providers, and it's really requiring providers to meet patient expectations and deliver those experiences in order to even attract and retain patients. 94% of the patients surveyed said they believe it's important to feel satisfied with their healthcare provider. And in fact, for most of the adults that we surveyed, being satisfied is so crucial that most of them would actually diligently research, they said, and seek treatment elsewhere if their current team was not meeting their expectations. 88% of patients say they would switch providers if they're dissatisfied. So satisfaction is outweighing loyalty here. And providers feel this as well. 93% of providers told us they strongly agree that it's important for patients to feel satisfied with their healthcare providers. 94% say they are noticing that patients are shopping around more for healthcare services than they might have in the past. 81% of providers say it's highly likely a patient will switch when they're dissatisfied. So given all this, the other issue is we have too many patients that are saying today they are unhappy. And if providers don't make those changes, they're going to lose patients. Patients are telling us they don't necessarily feel cared for. 27% say they don't have a strong sense that their providers care about them as individuals. And 19% are not positive their providers are focused on improving their health. And they're showing us that they're going to take action if they're dissatisfied. They know they have options. 88% say they'll switch. And we're also seeing some patient inaction as well, which I thought was interesting. 74% of people will say when they're dissatisfied, they'll put off scheduling healthcare appointments to visit their doctor. So patient expectations are increasing, and this is putting even more pressure on providers. 78% mm -hmm. of patients realize they have that freedom to choose. So one of the, one of the uh, couple of points in the study that really kind of stuck out to me was um, – this issue you talked about where um, people potentially would put off seeing a provider if they're not satisfied. And you happen to split that out in the survey between millennials and the non-millennials. And in this case, 89% of the millennials said they're going to put off care if they're not satisfied versus 68% of, of the non-millennials or those who are, are older. So, you know, I look at that from a population health perspective and say, wow, you may have this large younger group that needs to do something about their health or has an issue come up and but if they don't like their doctor they're just not going to get it done and and from a value-based reimbursement perspective or a population health-based approach where you're trying to get these services done that's just a huge um potential loss of success in the new world it, do you see that the same way Oh, I absolutely do. And I think something interesting is, you know, we've, we've been doing research of this nature on various topics, everything from, 
you know, just the need to communicate better with patients to the report that we're talking about now to a chronic care report, and we actually have one coming up on revenue cycle management. And anytime we look at that millennial segment, it's just clear how you know, they're always more than the general population. They have higher expectations. They have lower patients. And so I think that's always a theme, a theme that we see is the millennials kind of being um, called out for this. But um, I definitely think that's a red flag and something that providers need to be paying attention to. They need to adapt and attract now in order to retain this population as they continue to age. Um, so as you think about that from a, from, from a millennial perspective, what do providers need to do differently to meet their specific needs if they've got that larger group that says, hey, we're dissatisfied, we're just not even going to show up? Well, I think one key thing they can do is think about just the characteristics of the millennial audience who are very tech savvy. You know, one of the things that we advocate for here, obviously, is not only identifying where you need to prioritize new initiatives and activities from a healthcare provider perspective to improve the patient experience, but how you can leverage technology, specifically technology-enabled communications, to make that easier for you operationally as an organization. We know millennials are tech-savvy, so there's a huge opportunity here for providers to reach out with them using technology to start to impact um, these areas that millennials say important, but I think the first step would be use technology to survey your millennial patients and ask them what is important to them, what's driving um, their experience with you specifically in the healthcare setting, and then based on that information, put plans in place and strategies in place to impact that. Mm -hmm. So um, clearly the millennials are, you know, individuals that go to their smartphones, they're doing everything on the phone. Um, I looked at, you know, phone data from my son, who's who's essentially our minutes versus text are the exact opposite in a sense, you know, thousands of texts that from him versus a couple of minutes on the phone. Um, do you see providers actually beginning to put in these kinds of systems? I mean, how much uptake is there for these approaches to, to reach out to people in these newer ways? So I think, first of all, I think most providers already have these systems in place. And, and that's another key, key message here is a lot of people don't realize that this all of these things that we're talking about can be done using what's commonly referred to as appointment reminder technology. So we actually work with thousands of organizations that already have this in place. The, the key here is knowing that people's preferences for channel engagement, just as you mentioned, are changing and leveraging the other capabilities of that system to meet those, those preferences and those demands. So the system is more than likely already in place. It just takes a little bit of strategic leveraging of it um, you know, to, to meet these needs. Mm -hmm. The other, the other uh, part of this survey that stood out to me was that 60%, nearly 60% of providers realize patients have the freedom to choose their doctors and care facilities. And it sort of struck me that, that that's pretty far off from what I would have assumed is a hundred percent of doctors realize you can go somewhere else. So is there some sort of a disconnect there? Or is there still this belief that, Hey, I'm, I have this clinic and that they can't, they have no choice. I'm it. Did you get any sense of that? I think there definitely is a disconnect. And again, with all the research that we do, these disconnects keep popping up. And that's the main reason why we always try to include the patient perspective in our research, because it really helps to provide that entire picture. And hopefully by seeing what the data says, patients are thinking and feeling, we're providing maybe an aha moment for a provider um, that impacts their actions and what they prioritize going forward. So this disconnect obviously, I think, leads to maybe why providers are focusing on what they're focusing on when it's not nearly as important to patients. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to to get this out to, to doctors because I mean, obviously, one, they're getting they're they're seeing more and more of the re- reimbursement based on these satisfaction surveys, and um, if if they're not doing what the patients think they ought to be doing from a, a satisfaction standpoint, you know, it, it's obviously going to hurt them. The other one that sort of stood out was. Um, uh, I think it was the number two most uh, highest scoring thing for patients was knowing what it's going to cost in advance. And that's been an ongoing battle. I think Ohio is now fighting uh, a law is being proposed that the hospitals and doctors are fighting to keep from having to tell patients in advance what that cost might be. Um, another disconnect you came up with, is that something that, that you see sort of some technologically based approaches to? They could help with that? I definitely do. And, and and as we know, you know, getting to the point where it's feasible from an operational perspective and an accuracy perspective to communicate with accuracy um, to each patient what they're going to have to pay is we're not there yet from a technological and a data perspective. However, I do think there are some things that providers can do now to at least help prepare the patient for the out-of-pocket costs because there are more high deductible health plans, we have people with a lot more out-of-pocket costs. So again, if they have pre-appointment technology-enabled communications that are going out to that patient in the form of an appointment reminder, for example, they could simply add in messaging to that already scheduled communication to remind patients to bring their insurance card and check their co-pays to make sure they know what they owe so they're prepared. They could also make sure they're reminding them that there will be out-of-pocket expenses so that they can expect that health care bill after the service and be prepared to pay it. And I think it just opens up the discussion on cost there and helps that that level of transparency, I think, would be a great step forward for patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking back, as you said, these ideas of other ways to message and interact with individuals. And I'm thinking back to my last few experiences in healthcare, And maybe it's because I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. I don't know. But... I just don't see the use of this technology. I do. I, I did get, you know, a call to remind me and stuck on my voicemail that, hey, I had an appointment, but I've never had somebody ask me, do you accept text messages? Is there other information being provided? So is there really a fair amount of uptake of this yet, or is it still out there with providers focusing on other issues they think are more important? So I think it's somewhere in between. So I think there's a lot of use of it for a basic, what we call a basic appointment reminder Um, notification or message. And that's why we're talking about all of this, because we want providers to recognize the opportunity that lies within that technology for different applications. And we all know healthcare is pretty slow to adapt to technology. And that's, that's kind of what we're finding as well. We have a lot of providers that'll say, you know, we really want to start text messaging our patients. We just don't think it's possible. They just don't seem to connect those dots between what might seem like an overwhelming initiative they need to put a task force around and kind of silo in a different area. They're not making that connection to how what they already have in place can help them achieve those goals and those priorities. So I would I would agree with you. I don't think we have 100% adoption of all of these strategies that we're talking about. I think we have a lot of growing area there. That's why we keep trying to put these ideas out there so that providers can gradually become aware that it's easy to achieve a lot of this with technology. So when providers are thinking about this, and, and let's just say they, they're they saying to themselves, I want to create a better con- uh, experience for my patients and use a communications system or something to do that, 
where should providers start? What are the low hanging fruit or their specific services that are, are better than others to begin with? Um, where would you recommend providers begin to look into this? Well, I think as an air, for where to start, I think they could reference the survey and that might give them some ideas. So some of the things that floated to the top that patients are saying that we feel could be impacted to some degree by technology would be the shorter wait times, advanced, advanced knowledge of cost, the unhurried appointments, presenting that provider expertise, improving communication. But in addition to just that, so I think- can you, could you give an example of, what, of how you would use technology to shorten wait times? Sure. So half of patients are saying shorter wait times would improve satisfaction. If a provider were to leverage engagement communication, they could adequately communicate wait times and in some cases prevent patients from waiting for long periods of time if providers are running behind. So just as an airline notifies us when our flight is delayed, healthcare teams can notify patients when a physician is delayed. So they can leverage that notifications technology that we're talking about. And of course, it's integrated with their EMR or their EHR to send patients a text message when their doctor's behind schedule. So patients that receive those can adjust their arrival time so they're spending less time sitting in that waiting room. Then they could also deliver post-visit surveys with that same technology to ask patients to share their opinions about the amount of time they waited during that visit. All of that would improve experience. Absolutely. I think that's a great example. And I'm just thinking back, you know, to this morning when I got a text on a, uh, my son's flight was running late yet, um, the last time I went to my M- to get an MRI done, I sat for two and a half hours um, in a chair, and they said, "Well, well, we try to let people know it could be up to four. And I, I thought, "Wow, this is just crazy." So, I, it's really bringing some of that consumer engagement expertise that just about every other industry does into healthcare. Yet we just seem to have some sort of a bottleneck from actually getting to it. Um, are there other examples you can give of, of, of using, uh, you mentioned the surveys, and I think that's a great one, and wait times. Are there other examples you can give where we can just take some of these ideas and, and communicate better with our members or with our patients or the consumer? Sure. So, you know, another, another one that floated to the top for patients was not feeling rushed during appointments. So they want shorter wait times, but they also don't want their time with the provider to feel rushed. And again, about half of them are saying that this is the case. So it's important here for providers to let patients know they're valued and give them as many opportunities as possible to ask those questions and discuss their healthcare needs. So again, if they use technology, they can ensure ahead of time that the time patients and providers are spending face-to-face is is maximized. So they can use that um, pre-appointment message to send um, reminders to let them know to be on time while also letting them know they're welcome to ask questions throughout the appointment. That helps give the patient the cue that they should prepare and be ready to ask questions. They can also go a step further and suggest that they think what they want to discuss about what they want to discuss with their healthcare team during the appointment um, and just kind of reiterate that the provider cares about them and wants to take time to listen. And again, post-appointment, they could send a message um, to help extend the conversation beyond the beyond that clinical setting. So if something is discussed in the appointment, the provider could send follow-up information after that appointment to the patient, and they could also um, re- use that to reiterate care instructions, give them directions on what to do or if they have any issues or questions, just something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Great. So let's talk a little bit about what you just talked about, these care instructions. You mentioned very earlier between visits, you know, engaging individuals between visits, which obviously is is the key. We know that 
50 or plus percent of the people by the time they get to the parking lot have forgotten what they were told at the doctor's office. So mm -hmm. um, how are how are you using technology around education or care coordination or things like that with this stuff? So I think, again, the possibilities are, are really, I don't want to say endless, but there's a lot of possibility here. And it, and it just depends on how how each organization, uh, you know, manages their populations of patients. But it's, it's pretty easy to use this technology to send between visit communications, text messages with links to a video on the preventive benefits of a balanced diet, or, you know, a voice message inviting patients to make sure they schedule their flu shot an email with patient-specific disease management information. These are great examples of the kind of things that we're talking about. And it also helps to reinforce that provider's dedication and expertise, which is another thing that patients are telling us really improves their overall patient experience. Um, even something as simple as a regular email newsletter sent out that highlights, you know, patient success stories or, you know, what have you, to, to let patients know that they are being thought of by providers and that they're there for that support and encouragement between visits. Mm -hmm. Every, the other thing I, I always love talking to, you know, tech companies or companies in the space because they always say, and, and this is, is not a, a, a slam, but they always say, we can do everything. You know, you, we could do this, we could do that. And even as I've built stuff, you know, I've seen it as well. Um, but What's the lift to try to do this? What is it? How much time would a practice have to put into to really get a system set up that that allows them to accomplish these kinds of things? Well, you're probably not going to like my answer here because it's probably typical of a tech company as well. But the answer is that just depends. You know, that just depends <laughs> on how they're going to um, what they're going to prioritize and, and how many of those different things they want to spin up at the same time. But again, if the technology is in place, it just requires a consultation. You know, I'm thinking specifically about our, our, our company here. It requires a consultation with the people that are on, on call waiting to support these healthcare organizations every day to say, we think we want to start, you know, doing post-visit surveys of our patients. Okay, great. So we set up the, the questions. We work with them to find out what data they want to um, collect, and we go from there. So, you know, it can be as complicated or as simple as an organization wants to make it. Um, but, you know, a good first step could be, you know, you've got the data here that says what the patients we surveyed are saying is important. A good first step for an organization looking to kind of decide what of these can we do now and what should we do now would be to survey their patients and ask them specifically because maybe they'll get a few different answers. So rather than waiting for those HCAP surveys or whatever it might, might be, send a quick survey and just ask and then use that information to decide what you attack first. Then call your technology provider and figure out um, how to prioritize getting that set up and, and sent out. Got it. And so it, let's say that they did take, okay, here's the first step. We're going to bite this piece off. We're going to do post-visit surveys. Um, heavy lift, couple weeks, couple months, uh, if they have an idea already on questions from a technology standpoint to put something like that in place? Um, you know, again, I, I think it just depends. We've done it in a couple weeks. Sometimes it takes a couple months just depending on, you know, the regulatory systems and approvals mm -hmm. that need to happen within the healthcare system. I think, again, it just depends. Um, but it's not something that's as daunting as it might seem. And that's, that's really the kind of the point that we're trying to make. If you've got the technology in place and you're using it for other things, expanding its use is a lot easier than you would think. 
Yeah, and I, I think you raised a good point because, number one, I personally believe it's not as daunting as people think if they can find the right folks to work with on this. And number two, it's clearly something that has to be put in place that we have to move to. So now's the time for companies to begin to look at this technology and say, the patients are asking for this. My 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 population health panel or whoever your group is that you're working with are asking for these kinds of services. And, and we've just got to come up with a way to meet that need. Or as you talk about in the study, they'll go someplace else. That's right. Yes, well, um, in closing, are there any other areas or takeaways from the study that we maybe missed a little bit? Or what, what did you think were, as you look back through it, and from your perspective, were the key factors that, that providers should, you know, take a look at from today after they've, maybe if, even if they haven't seen the study? You know, I think the one, the one constant that we hear in all of our research, um, you know, which probably wouldn't surprise anyone listening, is the improved communication. And just even something as simple as improved communication, which sounds pretty general and has a lot of different um, things that it touches, even just that improves patient experience. And we did an earlier uh, similar report a few years ago that, that really kind of delved into this and the types of communication that patients want and need. So I think even just improving communication in general could help. It's something that 39% say would improve satisfaction. So that would be a great, and I think, easy place to start. Well, fantastic. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's really a critical area that can be addressed by technology. The consumers are asking for it. And I think your study laid out some good uh, answers as well as good ideas on how to deal with it. So thank you again for joining us on Pop Health Week. Thanks so much. And there you have it. That will be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank my co-host, Fred Goldstein, for his thoughtful engagement of our guest today. And Allison Hart, West's Chief Healthcare Market Research and Insights Strategist for her time and key insights. Do follow Allison's work at West via www.west.com and at www.televox.com. And finally, if your hospital health system, physician venture, or healthcare conference is in the market for social media support, including content development, curation, engagement, or amplification, ping me on Twitter via at 2HealthGuru or email greg with two Gs at healthinnovationmedia.com. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Couldn't believe what I've been